Hello, everybody. Welcome to the No Breaking Podcast. I'm here with Michael Dweck. Hey, how you doing? Good, Mike. Now, you're an artist, mm -hmm. but today we're going to be talking to you about your first uh, documentary that you've made. Yeah, that's true. So, I don't want to butcher what your fantastic documentary is, so are you able to tell me and the listeners a little bit about uh, how would you best describe it? Well, I'd say that The Last Race is a, um, a cinematic portrait okay. of a small town stock car racetrack and its tribe of uh, working class um, heroes that call it home. And, uh, you know, this track was important to me because when I was growing up in Long Island as a little boy from when I was four years old until when I was 18 years old before I went off to school, um, every Tuesday and Saturday night, that's where I'd be. Okay. At that racetrack. And there was a racetrack right next to my home and um, in a town called Freeport. It was called Freeport Stadium. And uh, at, at one point, there were 40 racetracks on Long Island. And, uh, and the racetrack I went to was just mowed over and replaced with a, uh, a box store. That drove me crazy. Uh, and at one point, there were 40 racetracks on Long Island. And, uh, and, uh, and now there's one the Riverhead Raceway, and that concerned me. So I spent five years from 2007 to 2012 photographing at the racetrack as my next fine art project. Um, so I photographed everything I could. I put an 8x10 camera, a big you know, film camera. I only shoot film. Okay. And I brought that to the racetrack, and I photographed everything I could. I, I, I sandblast. I, I, I learned how to you know, strip weld, so I took apart race cars, nine of them. I have, pieces, I have nine of them now in my storage rooms. And I would uh, photograph, you know, every component, carburetors, brakes, all the things that we don't make anymore in this country, metal things. I photographed those, sandblast them like you would looking back like 100 years. I photographed the drivers. I photographed their gloves, their boots. I photographed the hot dog stand, the mustard containers, everything I could to memorialize that place and, um, and, and to remember what it was like a simpler time of my childhood. And then I realized um, that the track was surrounded when I was photographing there with all farmland and dense forest, all of it. Yep. And then um, in 2012, towards the end of when I was photographing, I saw all that stripped down. All the forest was gone and um, all the farmland was gone, uh, all of it. And that concerned me. Uh, so and I, also, well, I also realized that in photography, I couldn't capture motion or emotion. Okay. With photographs, so Which that led sense. me to yeah. a motion picture. Mm -hmm. So I decided to pick up a motion picture camera and uh, and and take a go at it, and uh, that evolved from. Well, I started with one camera, ended up shooting with twenty at the same time. <laughs> so it's quite a, quite an evolution then, going from one to tw going from yeah. film firstly to to video cameras, and then going from one to twenty. So yeah. what was how did it were you able to then to make that transition, and what was the uh, uh, how was it received? I should say by the drivers, the fans, and the people who would be like their sort of home away from home kind of thing, as a local racetrack is? Well, I think it was very difficult for them. Mm -hmm. I think, well, first they didn't, I don't know if they liked an outsider, although I, I had, I was from Long Island like they were from, but I had lived in Manhattan and that them, to them, I was an outsider. Yeah. So although I, I, can, I, I can understand I, that a little bit. Yeah, I lived 45 miles from, uh, from the racetrack, but still that wasn't it's close a whole, enough. To whole, a whole different world. Oh, yeah. But, uh, but I, I, I got their world. I understood it and, uh, and I knew these, and I knew the, them well. I mean, a lot of the people that were racing at that track, I saw when I was a child, mm -hmm. the same people. Yep. Tim Mulqueen, who was racing when he was 17 years old at the Freeport Stadium, was still there. And, uh, you know, the racing grandpa was not the racing grandpa when he was there. And, you know, this, this guy, Marty Himes, who when I was a kid was also, you know, still existed. So I was like, shit, these are my heroes and mm -hmm. they're still, they're still racing. So 
that to me was, uh, was of course, thrilling. And, um, but, you know, the, having a camera in their face, because um, well, my objective was to immerse the audience. This was a different type of documentary. This was not a film where I was going to talk to you. I wasn't going to give you information. This was not going to be a history lesson by any mm -hmm. means. I wanted to immerse an audience into this culture so that you feel the way I feel, felt when I was at that racetrack. And that, and that was difficult. That means bringing a camera in and observing. That means not editing a lot. That means, you know, welding cameras to the bumpers of race cars, welding cameras six inches away from the face of a driver when he's winning a race. I mean, doing these things that I, I'm sure I was a pain in the ass to them, and a lot of times they didn't like me at the racetrack being in their face because they want to win. Of course. They're I mean, they're, to, yeah. to me. they're, 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 they want to stand on the top of that podium, right? Yeah, yeah. so they're not disappointed. During the week, it's fine. During the week, it's like I call them on the phone. Hey, uh, you know, hey, Tommy, is it okay if I weld some cameras? You call, sure, no problem, Mike. See you on Saturday. Get to Saturday. Get the f out of my face with that stupid <laughs> camera, man! Get no, I don't want that shit on my car. It's gonna, it's, it's just you know, it's, it's gonna weigh me down. I said, well, your car's forty-two hundred pounds, man. Get it off, you know. So that was a challenge. Um, I think now, though, they look at the, of course, they look at the film. They've seen it. They saw it in the film festival out in Long Island, the Hamptons Film Festival. I'm sure they were, they were all taken by it. There were like five hundred people came from the racetrack to watch, and I think they were, they were really taken by the film. Yeah, I could imagine that going from obviously people that this is. I mean, you could easily say it's their life passion is what they're doing right now. I mean, it's it not, not really racing for, like you see on, the, on ESPN or whatnot. This mm -hmm. is something that they do that they love. Yeah. They put everything they can, and it shows certainly and in the documentary. Yeah. So being able to see that in a big screen and seeing it portrayed so beautifully must be a big win for them, I, I think, guess. I, I think so. I mean, imagine you know, this is a community of people that of working class people that have really horrible jobs, a lot of them during the week. They're welders, they're plumbers, um, they're you know grease monkeys, you know all auto mechanic working on their back on the floor, on yep. the concrete a lot. And and let's you be know. honest, it's not always quite Los Angeles weather no. over there like it is today. <laughs> no, you're right, they wish, but no, for sure, no, the conditions aren't aren't very good. But on Saturday night, they're racing in front of two thousand people, getting their name announced, with their sponsors on their cars. Um, with the chance to win what is a, basically a $7 trophy. But they're heroes that night. And you can imagine, like I was when I was a little kid, you know, after the race, you run into the pits yeah. and you get an autograph. Because that's what the, that's you want to do. Yeah. So that, that's, that's, that's a story about dignity and, um, and about, you know, having a life of, of value and, and worth. And that's very important. And that's really what the film is about. It's not really about the raceway. It's really about communities. It's really about... Um, these things that still exist in towns around the U.S. and also all over the world, um, these these little pockets of um, of, uh, of subcultures that um, exist for a purpose, which is to provide the community with something to do that's um, inv invigorating, interesting, relevant, um, and it provides, you know, for empathy also. You know, in the world now with technology, we're less empathetic, of course, because we're disconnected. And, mm -hmm. this, and places like this, they're like bull rings. Yep. They're very much like bullfighting, yeah. which is also, you know, frowned upon. But these are, these are places that all your senses are going at once. The, the sound, of course, is deafening but beautiful. Mm -hmm. the, the sight of it, of these 4,200-pound cars running around from 1970 in circles is beautiful mm -hmm. and crazy. And I mean, it's, yeah. it is like everything's like a, a throwback of sorts. It is. Yeah, very much. It's 1970. The track was built in 1949. It's the oldest racetrack in the country. The oldest active racetrack. And the cars have to be, 
in this film from 1970, they have to weigh 4,200 pounds. That's the rule. That was the original rule of these cars. So in order to do that, you have to race cars like Lincoln Continentals and Cadillacs from the 70s, Yeah, which is cool. And you're also allowed to, to, to make contact. Which rubbing is, is racing, like they say. Rubbing is racing. And this is where, had, where it came from, early NASCAR racing on a short track, a quarter-mile track. Imagine 30 cars racing at 100 miles an hour around a quarter-mile track. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, it's, very, it's certainly very intense. It's intense, and it, and it makes you feel alive. Yeah. The audience, the drivers, the volunteers, it makes you feel alive. Yeah, and I guess that as we sometimes see, that as obviously, there's the, as you said, there's before the preparation going into the racing, and then maybe sometimes some of that racing carries on after. For sure. Because yeah, well, it's, a, it's, it's passion, right? It's passion, and, uh, you know, you're, you, you want to win. I mean, I think a lot of them, like you brought up, the point before about, well, this isn't a NASCAR sprint track, but in their mind, it is. Yeah. In their mind, they could, even though some of these guys are 75 years old, 76 years old now this year, they still in their mind uh, could make it to the bigs. I mean, what's, there's nothing stopping them, really, at this point. No, there's nothing stopping them but money. Yeah, but exactly. But money. In their mind, they're going to get a break. In their mind, they're, they're a sponsor, which is a local pizza place or a tanning salon. Someone might see them and might invite them to the bigs. I mean, that's in their mind. I mean, the, this race in this film, we have three generations racing against one another in the same race. Which is pretty incredible when you think it's about pretty it. pretty incredible. And no favors, by the way. Yeah, no, 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 nothing's given. No, nothing's, nothing's given yeah, at all. You know, and, and, when you're, and what's beautiful is, like in the film, you'll see there's a big fight. There are a lot of fights in this, in this racetrack. Um, but typically the fights are about respect. Mm -hmm. If you take somebody and put them into the wall... It wasn't an accident. They know what's an accident, what's not an accident. These guys are like, yeah, they've done like it. physicists. Yeah, they've done it enough, and yeah, they might have done it to know. someone else, and they've had it done to them, and they've right. drawn up with what is good and what's given. So, yeah. so you know what you're going to get when you come to the pits, and you're going to take it. But then the next day, if you need a carburetor, they're there for you. Yeah, they'll help you out. That's how it is. Yeah. And that's what communities do. Communities help one another. And you know, the thing with the racetrack, there's a scene in the, tra in the, in the film with Bob Finer, who's the announcer, and he's just, it's an uncut scene of him just talking. And what you realize is that this guy, is, he's been at the racetrack since he was 18, and now I think he's 74. This guy is the thread of this racetrack. So for five hours, he's talking about everything, about funerals, about who needs money for some health care because somebody had an injury from a high school sports accident. Um, he's talking about weddings. He's making fun of you of a driver. He's talking about sponsors. But he is the, he's kind of the you know, the, the town crier of this little church. And he plays a very important part. Even though the racing is only last, like, in, you know, the, the race, the blunderbuss race, which is in this, the last race, only lasts, I don't know, 12 minutes. Mm -hmm. You know, and maybe there are six, seven races during the night. He still keeps you going for five hours. And he, and he makes you feel like you're in this church, you're in this community, you're wanted, and he talks. And it's the same people that come every single week. In the audience, they have seats, almost assigned yeah. seats. No, that's it. I mean, uh, we talked prior, uh, before I, I turned the recording on about how my local racetrack at my hometown closed mm -hmm. out in the mid-90s, mm -hmm. but that was it. I mean, my father had gone to it when he was small, very similar, it seems like, to you, where he might not have, he may have snuck in once or twice, may mm -hmm. have paid once or twice as you do these <laughs> things when you're young. But, that's right. But you, everyone had an I mean, it was all standing at our mm -hmm. stadium. That's right. But you always went and stood in the same spot. That's right. And you knew the people that stood around you. If they weren't there, you'd ask mm -hmm. their friends where they were, if mm -hmm. you knew. And it was just, it's that sense of community that what mm -hmm. you go there for and what you go to enjoy. Mm -hmm. And what happens when those places disappear? I mean, what happens? 
you know, what happens is you start, you know, you're you're involved in, in technology and you're playing video games and stuff, which is not the same. Yeah. Not the same. I mean, like you, you said you'd go on, was it Tuesday and Saturday was your nights when mm-hmm. you go there? So we went every Thursday night. Mm-hmm. But then it was like, if it's gone, then what do you do on that Thursday night? That's right. You've got no place to go. That's right. How about the racers, too? I mean, the audience has nothing to do. And what about the racers? What about the racers that spend every night, like you're saying, in the winter? Not LA, not LA weather, but spending every night in the summers and winters working on these cars. Yep. Then what do you do? Exactly. You know, these aren't people that are. A lot of the people aren't necessarily formally educated. Um, and and if, you know, let's say if you've been doing it, and you're now seventy six. Say, and you're doing right. it, you've probably been doing it for a few years under your belt. So, yeah, you betcha. What else are you going to be able to focus on? Yeah. And it's something that also is generational. You know, which is important. It's something you want to keep your kids um, occupied and out of trouble. Well, this is a good thing to do to get them involved in building a race car. Yeah, you know, that's super important. It's, I mean, it's also, you could say it's, for example, something that might be lost in this generation with being able to fix something with their hands, being able to say I how something so. a little bit older I think so. I think it's important. Crafting, crafting with your hands, like you say, is really important. And that could be, this could be the last generation that we see of that. Yeah. So um, I, I understand it, it comes out, you said uh, November 16th. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it comes out, is it in here in Los Angeles and New York where it's making yes. the deba- debut? True. Yeah, it'll be, yeah, New York and LA on the 16th and on demand. It'll be on iTunes, Amazon, on demand and a, bunch of, and a bunch of other places. Yep. And then uh, there's a sneak, uh, a sneak preview tomorrow night, uh, which is Wednesday, Wednesday night in uh, 100 theaters around the country where there'll be a, a Kyle Busch, a beautiful Kyle Busch interview that he did for the film. Uh, with Marty Smith from uh, ESPN, and there's also some bonus scenes that no one's ever seen before in the film. So how did how did Kyle Busch and you get involved, or what was that involved? How did that come about? Um, I've been talking to his uh, his agent for a while, um, and I've been getting to know a lot of the, the cup drivers, mm-hmm. getting to know you know Jimmy Johnson, Dale Jr., these guys, and uh, they've been you know really supportive of the film, and uh, and I and I thought it would be interesting since Kyle is. You know, hopefully he's going to win the whole deal, the whole shebang this year. Yep. And also, he came from uh, the same roots of the racetrack. He came from the Las Vegas uh, Raceway, which is a small bull ring. It's mm-hmm. exactly a quarter of a mile short track. Um, and I, you know, I approached him, talked about it, and we said, "Well, you have the same background as the film." He watched the film, he loved it, he identified with it, and he said, "Sure, I'd love to talk about it." So in this video, you'll see that he takes you through the car that he raced in the short track. His legend car, his late model car, is very cool and talks about his experiences and what that meant, his first win on a short track, what that meant. It's, you know, it's, uh, it's great. And it's kind of what all these people think about in tracks like Riverhead. What they dream or aspire to be, yeah. right? Yeah, and he did it. I mean, he did it and he came from nothing. You know, he came from nothing, worked, built cars, and, you know, he was, he's the real deal. And so what, uh, it, how do you hope that this, this documentary is going to be received then by people that watch it then for the first time? And what would you like to, to people to go away with or take away from it? Well, a, a couple of things. I, for people that don't know racing at all and don't understand, I think that's it's those guys that race and those people that race that, uh, and it's loud and we don't want that in our town. And uh, I want them. To, I'm, I'm going to immerse you into this place and make you feel something you've never felt before. Um, and that will be, you know, uh, exhilaration, excitement, um, invigoration. You know what it likes to feel alive again, and uh, and and to come away that that well. Practically speaking, that the lights on the racetracks, this particular racetrack, stay on a little bit longer because of hopefully it'll be, you know, it'll be a, a really well-known racetrack after Friday, and um, and also that you know the, the 230 some odd tracks like this around the country also have lives that um, that uh, you know that continue for as long as possible, and people see the value of these in their town. I think sure. that's super important. And then if people are wanting to find out more information on the movie or more information about you yourself, where's the best place to go to try and find that information out? 
We have a website, a really robust website set up for the film, thelastracethefilm.com. And we also have Facebook, uh, the same, The Last Race, the film, and uh, for Twitter and Facebook, the same. And we're updating it almost daily. That's fantastic. Well, Michael, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank um, you. And like I said, again, everyone's got to go watch this documentary because I thought it was fantastic. Oh, and obviously, my, my voice just counts for everything here. <laughs> so, Michael, <laughs> thank you so much again. Cool. And uh, thank you for having a great day. And thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Thank you.